0: Following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. I I want to mention a couple of things. Um, well, just one because I forgot what the other one was. Um, <laughs> uh, on Thursday night, uh, was able to attend the uh, the LifeBridge annual banquet, um, which uh, LifeBridge is one of the uh, agencies that we support as a church family whether you're aware of it or not um, but they um, there are a Christian mentoring um, organization pairing uh, Christian adults uh, with young people in need um, uh, coming from different diff- difficult uh, household situations broken homes and things like that um, it's a wonderful work um, and uh, uh, we we believe in it Um and uh, so every year at the, the banquet, I think actually beginning this year, uh, LifeBridge um, names a Mentor of the Year. And this year's recipient of the Mentor of the Year was our very own Virginia Rabel. So, so they gave us this nice plaque. Uh, Virginia made sure to give it uh, to, to me because I, I don't think you didn't want this hanging over it your... Has hang it has to hang over the all right, right over the kitchen sink, that's okay, we're a super huge plaque people here, so we're gonna yeah, right where I can see it right back there. That's wonderful, so we're very grateful for that and and uh and for your work with Emma, and I know that's life changing for her and for you too, so we're grateful for that, so maybe I'll think of what the other thing is later on, but for now, do you remember what it is? Oh, yeah, that's what it was. I'm wearing my reminder um uh I just want to say thank you for uh your g- very generous gift um for pastor appreciation and uh, and this <laughs> wonderful shirt I'm very grateful for um yeah thank you um got tired of seeing the same old rags so that's how <laughs> it goes um so I am I'm very grateful for for you all and for your great gift to me you are you are a great gift to me, uh, and I'm forever grateful for for you all. Um, okay, so let's get to work. Um, we're going to uh, go back to the Gospel of Luke, uh, Luke chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 37 and 38. And uh, to me, it always it's kind of a, a red flag. We've only got two verses. That means we've got a lot of work to do. Um, so if you could turn to Luke chapter 6. Um, verses 37 to 38, and that's page 863 in the Pew Bibles. So, yep, two verses should be nice and quick. Um, Before I get too far, I do want to say this is... um, Sam and I will be doing our our last Sunday for ski patrol, so we still have to duck out at the end of the service uh, and miss lunch, and I don't like that at all, um, but thankfully this is the last one, so... um, Anyway, now you know why I'm not there for lunch. But um, So we've been looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount over the last few weeks. Um, incidentally, it's called the Sermon on the Mount um, because Jesus was on a mount when he delivered it, uh, the Mount of Olives, more specifically, which overlooks the city of Jerusalem. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful spot. And if you... Have never seen the view of the city of Jerusalem from um, the Mount of Olives. Uh, you go ahead into my office. There, there's a picture on the wall um, of Jerusalem, uh, modern-day Jerusalem, at least, and a picture taken from the Sermon on the Mount, or from the Mount of Olives. Sorry, I got to slow down. So the difficulty of Uh, in preaching through the Sermon on the Mount in little bits like we've been doing, is that Jesus didn't do it that way. He delivered a sermon all at once, um, which means that each little bit that we look at must be connected to the little bits that came before it, and they're connected to the little bits that came after it. Um, And this is especially true of our text this morning, as it's kind of an explanation of the end of the text that we looked at last week. So let's read our text, and we'll pray, and we'll see what it is the Father has for us today. Luke 6:37. Jesus says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Let's pray together. Father, again, we come to your throne asking for help, navigating your word, understanding uh, the message that you have for us, uh, the truth that is here for us. We pray, Lord, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would help us to understand what you uh, were trying to communicate uh, so that we would know you better. Uh, and we would be made more like your son. So, Lord, again, we ask now that your spirit would speak, not my words, but yours. We love you, Lord, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I bet none of you have ever heard anybody ever say, judge not, lest ye be judged. You can't judge me, right? The phrase, don't judge, is one of... The most misused, overused, and abused uh, ideas out there. Um, I don't think anybody really knows what this means anymore. Let me give you an example. I like to eat my M&Ms by color, in order. Right? Yellow and then brown and then red, and then orange, green, and blue. I eat the yellow first, because I don't want to see it. Don't judge me. See? People say stuff like this all the time. I do something weird. I like something weird. Don't judge me. Okay? I... Is that what Jesus meant when he said, "Judge not, lest you be judged"? No, um, I don't. I don't think he had M and M's in mind, even though that is the proper way to eat M and M's. And the problem is not with me; it's with you. If Jesus said, "Judge not, lest you be judged," I'm sorry, I revert to the <laughs> King James there. Judge not and you will not be judged. Um we ought to have a good handle on what he meant by judging so that we can avoid it, right? Judge not and you will not be judged. If you don't want to be judged, you ought not judge, so you should know what you mean, what we mean when we say that. We ought also to have a good handle of what Jesus meant in this context by uh, by not judging. Because in John chapter 7, verse 24, he instructs his followers to judge with right judgment. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians two fifteen that the spiritual person judges all things. So is this a contradiction? No, it's not. So what did Jesus mean? Judge not and you will not be judged. Well, there are at least two things that he didn't mean. What he didn't mean is that we are prohibited from the exercise of judgment and justice in the court of law, right? So if you've ever had to serve as a juror uh, in a jury trial or a court case or anything like that, uh, jurors are responsible for making a judgment, whether or not a person was innocent or guilty uh, or whatever. Jesus is not forbidding us uh, from participating in the justice system. So if you ever get that notice you're on jury duty and you say, I can't because Jesus tells me not to judge. So I can't serve as a juror. You're, they're not going to let you serve as a juror because you're nuts. That's, uh, that's, you're not qualified. So I guess if you want to do that, I suppose that you could give it a try. Whatever works. Don't take that as uh, instruction from the pulpit. Uh, my pastor said, if I say this, I don't have to serve. No, no, no. So Jesus didn't uh, didn't forbid us from pay, taking uh, taking part in the justice system. Jesus also didn't mean that we are forbidden from forming opinions or being critical critical of others, as if to turn a blind eye to their sin. Uh, you're caught in a sin. Well, you can't judge me. If a brother or sister is stuck in a particular sin. What's the most unloving thing we could do for our brother and sister? Leave them there. Not don't judge them. The worst thing you can do is ignore them and let them continue to drown in their sin. That's not what Jesus meant. Matthew 18 is actually very clear. If your brother or sister sins against you, you go and show them their fault just between you and them alone. Refusing to to discern, refusing to point out an error or discern good from evil in another person's life is not what Jesus is talking about. We are not commanded to set aside good judgment. We're not commanded to set aside a critical eye. What Jesus is forbidding here is the kind of judgment that only sees faults. A kind of look at a person that's that's sharpened by mistrust and not tempered by love or self-awareness. Jesus is telling us here, don't be self-righteous. Don't be hypocritical and harsh and self-exalting. See, what people tend to do is point the finger at others to make themselves look better. If the people around me are a bunch of jerks, well, I'm not like them. It doesn't, it's not okay. And we all tend to do this. Well, okay, I tend to do this. I can't, I'm not going to make any judgments about you, (laughs) even though I know you're a bunch of filthy, hypocritical liars. No, I'm, it's just me. I'm the king. Of hypocritical liars. Alistair Beggs told, <laughs> told this story in a sermon about this particular text. He said, I said this morning that I have this sin, and this is very hard to preach about. And the person I was talking to said, I have this sin, too. I just don't have it as bad as you do. <laughs> Thus proving that they have it worse than me. If it's actually not worse than me, I am now worse again because I told the story. <laughs> right? The kind of judging that Jesus is forbidding is the kind of judging that avoids self-examination by highlighting and condemning the faults of others and in bitterness seeking to point out those faults. The kind... I don't want to give away like next week's text... But the whole taking out a, a speck in your brother's eye while you have a log stuck in your own, and he kind of gives an example. We'll talk about it more next week. But I found the scripture that is most helpful in dealing with this attitude um, of of only finding fault in others and the not being willing to examine our own is actually in Romans chapter three, verses twenty three and twenty-four. Paul writes, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. I know that 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 we as a congregation, you as a church family hear that you are bad more often than some other church families do. And that's on purpose. Because when we forget, we start to elevate ourselves. Well, I'm not as bad as those people over there. And I just did it. Like, we are better than those other churches that don't hear how bad we are all the time. (laughs) Right? It's so, so dangerous. But when we understand, when I recognize that that's me, fallen short of the glory of God, And I'm only forgiven by God's grace as a gift, not because I deserve it. When I climb down off that pedestal from that judgment throne, we start to see that we are all on level ground. We are all equally fallen. We are all equally sinful. And we are all equally recipients of God's grace. But when we judge others, we wrongly exalt ourselves as as if to say, at least I'm not like them. But the truth is, we've all fallen. We've all sinned. We are all unworthy of God's grace. And in the same way that Jesus commands us not to judge, he also commands us not to condemn And the words are so similar. Judgment only sees the faults of others, and condemnation declares their guilt and unworthiness of redemption. But just as we are unqualified to judge others, we are also unqualified to condemn them. And the reason is the same. We can't read other people's hearts. We don't know what's going on behind their actions and attitudes. We don't know their motives. We don't know what happened to them on the way to whatever thing is that you saw something wrong. I think of a moment uh, that I had in the middle school shop a couple of years ago. Kids, terrible attitude. Uh, One particular student was just, was not okay. They were not behaving well, not doing as they were asked, uh, and were disruptive in class. And when you're dealing with people, this happens every time you deal with people. It's really easy to just say, you are breaking number one, you're, rule number one, you're acting like a jerk, knock it off. Because we don't think about why. We don't think about what happened what that kid was going through. Fortunately for me, the guidance counselor had told me that they, they had a death in the family. There's all kinds of terrible things going on in their home. And the only thing that I could tell them to the student is control what you can control. There's other stuff going on, and I get it. Control what you can control and do the best that you can. Um, but when we skip that part, we lose sight of compassion, we lose sight of the reality that life is hard for everybody. Right? Not just us. John Stott said that when we condemn others, we create the worst possible construction of another person's motives. We delight to pour cold water on their schemes, and we are ungenerous in response to their mistakes. This happens when, like... Somebody just can't do right by you anymore. They just can't. It doesn't matter if they handed you a gold brick. What are you trying to do? What are you saying? Give me a gold brick. Who do you think you are? Somebody who just gave you a gold brick, right? It just That's a pretty extreme example. But sometimes there's just people cannot do right in our eyes. And that never has anything to do with them and always has something to do with us, what's going on in our own hearts. In other words, that person just can't do right by us, no matter how hard they try, no matter how pure their motives are, we just refuse to see anything good in them or in what they're doing. Have you ever been guilty of that? I'm the only one. Have you ever been on the receiving end of that kind of thing? Like, I, I just don't know what else I can do. I'm trying, and they just can't see it. This is not the way of Christ. This is not the way of Christ. This is not the way of Christ. Jesus commands us to not judge, to not condemn. Now, I know it doesn't say, thou shalt not judge, thou shalt not condemn. But if you look at the words... uh, In the Greek, they're imperatives. They are commands. He commands us not to judge, not to condemn. And then he commands us to forgive and to give. Don't judge, don't condemn, but forgive, but give instead. Now, aren't these pretty much opposites? Instead of judging others, we should forgive them. Instead of condemning others, we should give them grace. Again, here's another example of the strength in acknowledging our sinful condition. When we recognize our own sinfulness and our own unworthiness of God's forgiveness, are we not all the more free to forgive others because we ourselves have been forgiven? Look, if God can forgive me, there's nobody left He can't forgive. Jesus told a parable in Matthew 18, verse 23 through 34. He said, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. Not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. The first servant, 10,000 talents. A talent is like a year's wages for a laborer. 10,000 years worth of wages is what he owed. And it was forgiven, all of it. And another person owed him a 100 denarii. A denarii was one day's wages. So you can see the disparity between the enormous unpayable amount that he owed and was all forgiven and was unwilling to forgive the little debt. What is Jesus telling us here? Don't be like that guy. We have been forgiven so much. We ought to forgive others. What other people have done to us is nothing compared to what we have done to our Father. When we choose not to forgive, it is a cold and deliberate choice. We don't just forget to forgive. We choose not to forgive. It's a choice to sin. And the last command of Jesus here is to give. Don't judge, don't condemn, but forgive and give. I think this is a very misunderstood verse as well. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you that sound like a promise of blessing it sure does reward for our good deeds and generosity isn't that what it sounds like well it sounds that way because it is a promise of reward for giving generously it is but it is also a warning It's a warning that what we give will be revisited and given to us. Far too often prosperity preachers con people out of their seed money in order to reap God's blessing by misusing this verse and others like it. If you give, if you give your money to the Lord, He's just going to bless you. He's just going to give you victory. Well, he might. Sounds like a con to me. While it's true that the Father will repay us in one form or another in this life or the next for our willingness to give, give of ourselves. The warning here is to beware of what you give. Because what you give will be repaid in abundance even if what you give is judgment and condemnation and unforgiveness. This is a two-edged sword, friends. This is, this is not a promise that, well, if you empty your wallet into the box, then, oh, just wait until you see what the Lord does for you. I, maybe. But this is a guarantee That what we give, whether good or bad, will be revisited upon us. If what we give is judgment and condemnation and forgiveness, we have to consider, is this the sort of thing we want given to us? In good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over and poured into our lap? Condemnation and judgment and unforgiveness? Matthew Henry said that we must expect to be dealt with ourselves as we deal with others. And that's really the whole point. This little bit of the Sermon of the Mount is connected to the last little bit. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's all the same. Alistair Begg said again, if I'm prepared to put myself in another person's shoes and if I am prepared honestly to wish for them what I wish for myself, then I will be prepared to replace meanness with generosity, harshness with understanding and cruelty with kindness. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive And you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is the law of love, this is the way of Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that in your great love for us, you have passed over judgment because of the blood of Jesus. Because Jesus was willing to take the penalty for our sin, we can be forgiven. We are not condemned. You have given us so much by your grace. We pray, Father, that you would help us to reflect that love. And Lord, I pray for extra help of the Holy Spirit to apply this truth to the difficult circumstances with people that exist in each of our lives. We're all struggling, some worse than others. Father, we need your help. This isn't easy. This isn't automatic. Father, I pray that that you would even now um, be at work in those situations, softening hearts, opening eyes to the truth. Help us, Lord, to forgive Help us to give grace. Help us not to judge, not to condemn. Lord, that is an exercise of grace. And that can only come from you and we need your help. Father, I pray if, there is no, if there's anyone here or within the sound of my voice that has not experienced your grace through the forgiveness of sin that you offer, I pray, Lord, that even now in the quietness of their own heart, they would call out to you in faith, ask for your forgiveness, accept that Jesus' death on the cross was for them to pay the penalty for their sin. Lord, that you would wipe away, wash away that sin. Though their sins be like scarlet, they would be washed white as snow. And fill them with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we love you. We are forever grateful for your grace. May we reflect it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church. Post Office Box, 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.